steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs, sideline, touchdown. Welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we are jumping into our off-season structure here, Um, starting off with some results from the Combine, and we'll also give you some updates with the Vikings as well throughout this process. But over the next couple weeks, we'll be speaking mostly about the draft, the prospects involved, how the Vikings are stacked up in uh, regard to that situation um, and then keep up with any news and uh, notes that, um, that that come across our, our desk here. So uh, today we're going to be doing Everson Griffin specifically. Uh, he's been a big part of this franchise for a long time. I feel like he deserves his own segment. And um, his opt-out, um, as I'm sure you guys are all aware of, that happened. That's, that's done. That's set in stone. I think most of us were sort of expecting that to happen. But we'll discuss the ramifications of that uh, and the changes that we might see on the Vikings defense. And uh, then we'll do a little bit on the measurements that happened today. There was only three positions today, quarterback, tight end, and wide receiver. Uh, so not too much fun for Vikings fans. Uh, but we will go over a couple of these names because I think a couple of them are somewhat interesting because uh, they do have some ties to the team. And then we'll finish up with a new segment, and I'll introduce that segment at the end of the show. So um, you have to listen to the whole show to hear the new segment. So that's <laughs> what I'm doing right now. Uh, but before we do all that, I want to start this off with a Thursday question, and even though the show's going up on Wednesday, I'm going to continue to call this a Thursday question, because eventually the show will go back to a ter- Tuesday-Thursday schedule, so um, this one's a really open-ended, I thought this would be a fun one to start with, so one part of your day that you would like to skip every single day, so I, I, I mean, like, this isn't something where, you know, you can pick and choose, like, oh, I don't like doing that three days a week or like this part of my day annoys me sometimes you have to pick something to skip every single day for the rest of your life what is one part of your day that you'd skip one part of my day that I would skip every day um the part where um uh i think okay here we go when you get out of the shower and it's like freezing cold god really i thought i was so unique with that that's what you picked yeah that's what i was gonna say all right, keep talking. Is, I got to think of a new one now. Well, if that's the same one, then that's fine. No, no, no keep going. I'm that's think the one thing one. I thought of that's like bad every single day. You know, yeah, I was yes. going to say showering in general. That's just like that's just time I don't want to spend. Right, right. You know, but in some cases, showers are like you know, like if you go, like if I go golfing for five hours on a hot day, I want a nice shower to you right, know, right. So it's good. So I'm just trying to think of other scenarios that like aren't. I don't know. Yeah, so, that's a, that's the only one I can think of. That every single day, it's like unpleasant to me. Okay. Yeah, and I, I, I certainly agree that would that would have been mine. But I'm going to pick one that I think will resonate with most people that listen to the show and most people on the entire planet. I hate doing the dishes, and I regularly do the yeah. dishes because I live alone. So uh, I do military style, meaning I have like I mean I have more plates than just one, you know. But I have one. Pl- I, I use one plate. One fork, one knife, one spoon, one bowl, whenever I eat, and I wash all of them immediately. And it's, you know, it takes eight minutes or whatever, but it's always tedious. 
You always get gross stuff on your hands because food is gross when it's not in your body. So uh, that's definitely something that I would like to get rid of always. And especially if, like, when I get to a later point in my life and, you know, I have more plates involved in my my daily cycle, uh, that's just going to get more tedious. So um, washing the dishes is definitely something I would like to get rid of. I think laundry would be another one too. Laundry's right up there, but I just don't do laundry as much. Like, that's normally a bi-weekly thing for me. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't hate it as much just because normally I just put it well, in. It's one of those two where, like, you have to. It's an everyday thing, and laundry's not an everyday thing for me. Right. Washing dishes is an everyday thing, even though it probably should be in our apartment right now. <laughs> but uh, that's fair. Yeah, You're that's. Only... I mean, in terms of things that you do every single day, you know that that like I don't know, thirty seconds out of the shower. At I most. definitely agree, especially especially in the freezing cold. Like, what was it like negative? The like a week ago when it was we it was like negative right. twelve out with a minus 25 wind chill or whatever walking out there i mean it instantly freezes my hair because i'm not going right. to sit there and blow dry. i don't i don't own One a in the blow dryer that, that some people in minnesota can relate to um if they have a parked car outside would be the window scraping oh yes that'd be a good one that's for, right up there too that's you know a winter specific task yeah. but uh that would be number one if it was winter all the time and i was parking a car outside right yeah, that's. I actually had to do that this morning, and it's the worst when you don't do it and you just try to get to work. Like, <laughs> or, or when well, when you are running late and you don't kind of prepare yourself right. for the extra five right. minutes that you have to take outside, right? Uh, Trape in the window, but yeah, I'm, I kind of do like kind of close. There wasn't enough fly there, I think. If you if you see, you've seen Ace Ventura, right? We're like, yes, we're Jim Carrey. We're Jim. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Where Jim Carrey <laughs> hangs his head out the window and he's driving like like this because the. The dude in the very beginning oh, yeah. of the, the movie yep. or whatever breaks his windshield. That's basically me. Like, I get very close to that sometimes where, yeah. Anyways. I would recommend just clearing the windshield. It yeah, might be safer I, and I, I could more do that. But I have, like, an eight-minute commute, so it's like, eh, we could probably make it work. And then it, unfr- it generally, like, the sun takes care of it during, over the course of the day when I'm parked or outside. Or defroster after it's, after it's on for five minutes and yeah. with, with cold air. And it's then it finally pretty good. Warm air. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. All right. It's a solid Thursday question. I'm happy with that. Uh, Let's talk about Everson Griffin now. So uh, to reiterate what I said at the top, Everson Griffin has officially opted out of his most recent contract. Uh, That contract was negotiated a few years back and then restructured last year, um, basically with an opt-out clause that allowed Everson to get out of his current deal, which would have subjected him to zero guaranteed money over the next couple years and a $13 million cap hit coming into this next season. Uh, And because he played enough snaps and I believe enough games, I think there was two qualifiers there. I think it was like 10 games and I I don't remember the snap count. I apologize. Uh, So the snap count was 79% for, I think that's what he actually played. I don't know what um, the, I mean, it might've been, I'm guessing 75 based on something like like a good number it'd be at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So he elected to opt out. Um, this was not something that it kind of came by surprise. Like this, I don't think this blindsided. This definitely didn't blindside me. It didn't blindside you. Um, you, the listener, I'm guessing you probably were not blindsided by this decision either because it was a common topic um, on Vikings discussions on Twitter and you know Reddit, all that kind of stuff. So this, but it officially happened, and that's something that I want to talk about now because Everson Griffin has basically been a fixture in Minnesota. You know, it for, for sure, a decade, pretty much. Le- I mean, for, for, for sure since Mike Zimmer arrived, because if you remember, he gave – Zimmer handed him that massive contract, which he was at the time kind of undeserving of. Um, 
and before that, he was a rotational player playing behind Robison and uh, Jared Allen. And he stepped into that role. I believe it was a forty-six and a half million dollar contract, and it was one of the first. Ep- it was one of the first articles I ever wrote. Um, I was writing for a website called Rant Sports. I don't even know if it still exists. And I wrote an article saying that the Vikings made a huge mistake. It was a huge error in judgment, and that the Vikings had, you know, essentially sealed their fate in terms of hurting their salary cap by signing Everson Griffin to a long-term deal without proven results. And my goodness, has he proven me wrong. And mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for that. He's become one of the favorite players in the entire franchise. Uh, in, honestly, in probably in the franchise's history, but certainly in the last 20 years. I mean, he's one of the most likable people, um, period. Uh, it's very fun. He's always great when he's mic'd up. Extremely, Just an extremely lovable character. And uh, everything about him is just... Uh, he's just a great he's just a great asset to have on your team. I mean, he's a phenomenal pass rusher. He and granted his run defense has kind of declined a little bit, but he's always been very good at that as well. And then just <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of being a locker room leader, um, mm-hmm. he definitely defined this team from like 2014 to 2017 when you have guys like Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks coming in, Daniel Hunter. I mean. You can credit the evolution of Daniil Hunter to some degree, probably to Everson Griffin and his, you know, ability to kind of be a player coach. Um, and the other guys that have rotated rotated in there, I mean, I can't imagine Ofedi Odenigbo doesn't have great things to say about Everson and the help that he's provided. Basically, the point that I'm ramping up to is he's been a staple in this organization forever. Mm-hmm. And now there's the potential that he's going to leave. Yeah. So the first question that I have for you is very simple. Do you think Everson Griffin remains with the Vikings? I do. Uh, I think, in, uh, in most case, in ninety percent of the cases, players out there will, you know, get they'll go to the spot where they can make the most money. Right. Right. Uh, but we have seen the Vikings, you know, have proven to be one of those rare teams, uh, rare franchises, the last few years now, where players will take less money to play in Minnesota, which is unique considering you know state income tax in Minnesota and. Um, Listen to you, college graduate now, starting to think about state income tax. Uh, But, you know, that, you got the weather up here. Uh, It's not like, you know, if you talk about a famous, you know, professional athlete, like Minneapolis, Minnesota isn't necessarily your top desired place in most cases. But it seems like it's where, I mean, Anthony Barr uh, took less money to come to play with Minnesota. Uh, Kirk Cousins took less money to play for Minnesota. Not granted, those are both uh, bidding wars with the Jets. Maybe it's just the Jets thing, but uh, <laughs> which is very much That's could be a the fair case. Point, yeah, considering how that franchise is run. But uh, point being, it, it, I feel like Everson too, given that he has played a decade now in Minnesota, uh, there's seems to be a pretty solid relationship between player and franchise, player and ownership, player and coaching staff there. That uh, you know he would be more uh, apt to playing in minnesota for less maybe less money in 2020 but maybe you know some extended guarantees or something uh a longer term deal than he had maybe more security for a couple more years to sort of end his nfl career whatever the case may be whatever he's looking for i feel like he'd be more willing to give into that in minnesota after a decade as a viking absolutely and i i echo all the sentiments you just said and i'll add a couple more notes i'm with you that I believe that Everson stays in Minnesota. I will say that there's a couple things here that, and these are somewhat subjective. This is somewhat a somewhat subjective analysis, but 
based off of his playing career and what we've seen from Everson Griffin from the time he was at USC and he was a fourth round pick to where he is now in 2020 as one of the 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 franchise's all-time leaders in sacks and you know every basically every every statistic that a defensive lineman can rack up Everson Griffin is near the top of now there's been two things that have happened throughout his entire career that have been not so great, and yet Minnesota continued to stick with him, and I think that's very important. The first one being what happened at USC, having some character issues. I won't get too into that, but because uh, I don't think it's worth the time, and really this is his, I, I want to highlight the greatness of him, but if you want to look, just type in Everson Griffin USC character issues, and you'll find some character issues about Everson Griffin. And that's part of the reason why he slipped to the fourth round, and the Vikings were able to get him at such a you know, a value in that draft. The second thing being the mental health scare last year. Um, and that was obviously extremely challenging for the organization. We saw what happened the very next week in the Bills game. Um, it's very challenging for the fans and the people that adore his character and his person. But he was able to come back and he seems to be back to his normal, regular self. I don't believe that his family suffered all that much with, with, in, with regard to where he is now in terms of where it could have gone and how, how bad that situation really could have been. And the Vikings stuck with him through it. You know, everyone backed him up. I mean, do you remember that week, mm-hmm. how like how kind of crazy that week was heading up to the Bills game? And yeah. All the players were asked about Everson, and everyone was giving him his full support. Mental health is a scary thing. It's something that no one likes to talk about, and honestly, we're all very uncomfortable talking about it. I'm not comfortable talking about someone else's mental health. But it's something that he had to deal with. It's something that, I'm just being straight up, it could have ended his career if things have gone south. Um, it could have changed it could have a lot. more than that. It, it definitely could have. Um, so that was a situation that was very scary. And the Vikings, not just the, not just his teammates that he's on, you know, going to battle with on the field, but the coaching staff, the ownership, everyone stuck up for him, stuck their neck out for him once again, and he returned to the player that, I think that all of us kind of believe he still can be at this. I believe he's, what, 34 years old now? So I think that that, those two things carry a lot of weight for a guy like Everson Griffin. Granted, I do not know Everson Griffin personally. He's actually one of the few Vikings players on this roster that I actually never got a chance to speak with at any point in my sports journalism career. So I don't know him very well. But I do think that he's the type of guy who takes those things seriously, takes the opportunity to be with the Vikings despite the character issues at USC. I think he took that very seriously. He, and he obviously was able to outgrow the kind of youthful exuberance, if you will. And sticking by him when he was in probably the deepest, darkest hole of his entire life, I think that carries weight. And just to kind of wrap this all up in a nutshell, he is already straight up said, I want to be a Minnesota Viking for the rest of my life. While acknowledging the fact that this is a business and that's not necessarily... That's very rare, and Chad Greenway being one of the few situations where it actually worked out for a player who was rapidly declining. But I think that this is a situation where ultimately the Vikings, the Vikings want him because of the, 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 what he can bring as a rotational player leading into the kind of the twilight of his career, and also the presence that he brings in the locker room for what has really become a, you know, a pretty young team defensively, with exception to Harrison Smith. Because, I mean, if you think about what's going to happen to this defense, there's going to be an overhaul this offseason. It's going to happen. I mean, Trey Waynes could be gone. Oh, shit, cornerback for sure. Yeah, Trey Waynes and Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes are probably gone. D-tackle. Uh, D-tackle. Linville Joseph could be gone. 
I mean, there's this, there's a lot of things that could change. Everson Griffin doesn't necessarily need to be one of them. So I follow that up then with this question. Is it right for the Vikings to bring back Everson Griffin? Now, I just broke down all the personal elements, kind of the emotional feel to it. Obviously, I want to see him come back, and I'm sure you do too, and I'm sure our listeners do as well. But from a strictly objective standpoint, when you look at his on-field production, the player he is, the players you expect him to be next year, and the player you expect him to be probably in a couple of years, because if he signs a deal, it's probably going to be two or three years. Does it make sense, rationally speaking, for the Vikings to bring him back, considering their cap situation? That's what I was going to get at is it's not even just about his on-field performance, which I do think in 2019 he was far better than I expected. Um, you know, Obviously, the he didn't play a lot in 2018, um, was great in 2017, but played basically half the year with uh, plantar fasciitis, which I know is extremely painful. Um, and so coming, you know, with those two things in mind, I didn't think, you know, I didn't expect a ton from Everson in 2019, and he proved me wrong, and clearly he still has a lot, you know, a lot still in the, in the tank, if you will, but it it is, it's going to come down to the dollar amount more than like, does it make sense black and white? Yes or no. You know, if, if he's able to come back at something like seven, eight mil for in 2020, where the Vikings are clearly trying to make sort of a one last shot at the Super Bowl with this window here, uh, then I think you do it if it's cause that's, that's dropping his cap by what five mil. If you put it, bring it down to seven and a half or something like that. Um, so like that would be something in that range I'm totally good with. But if he ends up coming back on some double digits, that's where you start to question it because I think one thing we have to discuss here is Ifadio Denebo and how he did look promising um, as kind of, you know, he was, Everson Griffin was Ifadio Denebo before Ifadio Denebo, right? Like Griffin was that guy, the rotational guy that would yeah, uh, yeah. come in, you know, in pass rushing situations. Denebo did that this year and was pretty good at it. So there's that to, to think about too. You know, the Vikings do have a guy that seems to be ready for a starting role, kind of waiting for Griffin to, we you know whether he departs or not, but he's waiting, waiting for that starting role. Absolutely. So let's look at this statistically from your basic stats here. Last two seasons, Everson Griffin has only played in 26 games. So he's missed six games. We know why. Okay. Uh, it's not necessarily something that we expect to continue in terms of, Longevity. This isn't like a situation where he tore his knee up or something like that, right? Uh, and he is 32, by the way. I said 34 earlier. I was wrong about that. So he's also got 13 and a half sacks over the last two years, over the last 26 games, versus the 13 that he had in 15 games in 2017, which could arguably be the peak of his entire career at 30 years old. You also look at the kind of the changes to how he's being used. Uh, and kind of the deficiencies in his game. Obviously, he's still got great get-off. Um, I know someone's giggling at that, but uh, he's, he's, <laughs> outstanding off the, he's, outsta- <laughs> he's outstanding off the line of scrimmage, and he can still pass rush with the best of them. He's very strong. He's got spin great move finesse. is still among sp- the best in football, too. Absolutely. And the fake spin move. Yeah, this fake, this fake, fake spin move might actually be better than the actual spin yeah. move before being right. in this year. Right. It's but, funny how you can you've seen him set up the fake spin move before but now it's like he's setting up the actual spin move by yeah. using the fake spin. it is pretty nuts actually watching if you watch him like every game watch like just him on a, on a series of uh defensive plays it's funny how much he actually goes to the fake spin move to start with and then it goes back to the spin 
like you you wonder how sometimes the spin works so cleanly i think it's because he's setting that up versus the other way around and that that this that's the type of thing that comes with experience and that becomes a kind of a subjective element of why you know it makes sense to bring him back because he does carry with him kind of the way to set up defensive linemen i mean daniel hunter i'm gonna get a little bit off topic here for about 15 seconds but daniel hunter when he came into the league had absolutely no game in terms of finessing opponents he was all build all speed and just trying to beat guys with just pure talent i think that everson griffin and obviously andre patterson had a huge they were hugely involved in terms of turning him into the player he is today in terms of hands usage moving his legs effectively using his body to kind of dip up and around defenders all those are things that you've seen from everson griffin that you now see from daniel hunter and daniel hunter is just simply better at it so Griffin is really important in terms of being able to help the guys around him, teaching them, but also he can still play a role on the field. Now, you said about $7.5 million. I think that's a, that's a solid evaluation for the level of starter he is. Now, as a rotational player, it's, it becomes, okay, is he willing to be a rotational player? Think about Brian Robinson and the twilight of his career. He was able to take a step back to allow Daniel Hunter to bloom. Is Everson Griffin willing to do the same thing? I don't know the answer to that question, but that could also provide some Sure. I mean, I also think Griffin's still at a higher level than Robinson was kind of at that point. Like it was right. – I think, uh, you know, when Robinson sort of took that step back, you had Hunter emerging as really a superstar, right? Because he had the, that 12 – and a half sack season to 2016. He was playing better than Robinson was. Period. Right, right, right. And I think it's sort of the opposite now where Griffin is still clearly, I think, superior to Odenabo, while Odenabo looks like, you know, going to be a solid starter, I think, in the NFL at some point here. Uh, Griffin is still clearly the, the superior player. So I don't know if a rotational thing will happen, but I do think, you know, if Griffin would, um, he would concede to that if it became apparent that Odenipo was suddenly the better player. I think he would acknowledge that. And I think that's, you know, we, you talked about the veteran leadership and everything and kind of right. being a team guy. I think that's where that comes from. So uh, I, I think he's still in that position. I do think in that way it compares to Robinson that he would be willing right. to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've kind of established the where he stands at his career. We've set some general parameters for what the salary cap you know how that situation works and how he reflects on that. What do you think if you are Rob Brzezinski? And uh, granted, no one is Rob Brzezinski, so I'm not expecting you to be a big numbers guy all of a sudden. What would your contract offer look like for Everson Griffin? Huh? I would probably do something like uh, you know three years, like sixteen, seventeen, and then kind of go. I mean, I, I well should say that um, because you're kind of at this point with 2020 being sort of your like you know all in like this is kind of what it appears to be sort of the last chance at a Super Bowl you kind of want to maybe decrease the cap in 2020 so you can get as much out of that as you can and then to get Everson to stick around you probably want to kind of backload it a little bit is my thought uh, but I am far from Rob Brzezinski here so um, I'd go something you know three three years probably anywhere from eight, 15 to 20 yeah. uh, with kind of those last couple of years getting towards $10 million um, in, in salary cap hit versus maybe something cheaper in 2020. Yeah. So I was looking at probably two years, something like $14 million with a, with a 
team option for the third year. Yeah. Um, the first in the way that the first two years would look in my mind would be you pay him about four million dollars this year, all guaranteed, one hundred percent guaranteed, and then have a ten, and then ha- he'll have a ten million dollar hit next year. So that way you can kind of fix the cap situation immediately. You have problems next year possibly, but uh, in that in this scenario, you'd be paying him guaranteed money. So you, essentially, you're saying to him, "We're not going to cut you," which ultimately I think is a very important factor for him here, given the situation that you brought up with the Odenigbo, and uh, you've also got some other pass rushers, and you know the Vikings are going to draft a defensive end in the third or fourth round anyway. So um, I, I think that the way that the the way that this kind of works in my brain is that you pay him the guarantee this year and next year you set him up where he becomes a it becomes difficult to cut him financially but not impossible so like if he falls off a cliff this year in terms of on-field performance you have a way to get out but if he continues to play well i mean he, he very well i mean he keeps himself in great shape um there's no real character concerns at this point in his career granted i you know i'm not a doctor and i don't necessarily know where he's at mentally, but I, I have to believe that he's the type of guy that probably has two or three more years of at least productive football in him, not necessarily starting caliber football, but productive. So I think that two years with the team option for a third is going to give the Vikings what they need in terms of getting out if they have to. We've talked about this a couple times this offseason. If they have to straight up re- hit the reset button after this year if it fails, you know, let Kirk Cousins go, let Everson Griffin go, let ev- like just scrap everything, let everyone go that's not named like Eric Eric Kendricks and Daniil Hunter, basically. Um, that's kind of where I'm at because I think that it allows you to hit the reset button if you need to, but if he's still good, you have him at kind of a deal. Right, yeah, and we don't know what Everson's willing to take either. This right. is pure of speculation. Course. Like, this is... I mean, he might be he might be doing this from his perspective, his motive here might be, I'm trying to get as much money as possible the last couple years of my career and then be done. Like he might not, this whole trying to stick with the Vikings thing, like whatever the case, like that might not be what he's thinking. And I would respect that. Like go get the money that you deserve. You know, that's, that's always been my side of things. I just think he'd be one of those players that might be more likely to stick with Minnesota or stick with his, you know, longtime franchise than other players maybe. But, um, you know, this is all speculation. I think bottom sure. line is Griffin at this point. I think he's still a stud. He's still one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL. Um, and those are very valuable. And I think to have the duo of Griffin and Hunter is very scary for opposing quarterbacks. Uh, so, and I think that, you know, that, that duo made up, made kind of, uh, you know, hid the weakness at defensive tackle quite a bit uh, in, in 2019. So, Bringing him back would be great, and if they're able to restructure, if if, if Brzezinski's able to do his wizardry and figure something out uh, and save cap, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Uh, last thing I'll say about Everson Griffin before we move on here to do some combine stuff. Uh, the emotional value of this situation. Uh, I personally, as I have gotten older, I've become more and more detached to players, right? Uh, I, I have become more interested in just the success of the organization as opposed to needing a certain player to be on the team for me to be happy. Like, do you remember, I I remember, you know, decade ago or whatever, uh, when Adrian Peterson had his whole deal go down, 
that was kind of what started mm-hmm. that for me, where I was like, I don't need Adrian Peterson to be here. I don't think he makes his team better anymore. And the the kind of the history and the joy that Peterson brought early in his career no longer mattered to me. Still have his best interest in mind. Still hope for the best, you know. Um, hope the guy gets his money, but I don't necessarily want the Vikings to give him his money. This money with Everson Griffin, the situation kind of revisiting itself. Where I, I would love to see him forever be in purple because that's just like, dude, that's a that's a milestone in itself to say that you played over a decade with one organization. So many things have to go right for that to happen. And I would love to see it, and I think it would be great. But I just want to point out that if he does decide to leave Minnesota, I'm kind of echoing your sentiment here. If he decides to leave Minnesota to take more money to go play in Oakland or something like that and get paid $25 million over the next three years because he provides the veteran leadership that an organization like Oakland desperately needs. Las Vegas. Las Vegas, you're right. Sorry, uh, that's never. That's gonna. That's gonna be like the new St. Louis to L.A. for me. I'm gonna do it wrong for the entire next season. Um, that that would be okay with me. Is what I'm trying to say. And I hope that it would be okay with you, the listener, as well, because he's given so much to this organization. And granted, the organization has given a lot to him as well. But um, he's such a big piece, and I know it might hurt. But it's if you want him to have live a long, fulfilling, happy life. Getting his money now will give him the opportunity yeah. to do so for his family as well. So. Or, hey, maybe he wants the Super Bowl, and maybe he's, he's realized Minnesota might not be the spot for that too. That, that's also a possibility. That's another interesting scenario. Yeah, for sure. So it'll be fun to see how this all plays out. Um, well, maybe it might not be necessarily fun, but uh, it'll be something. It'll play out eventually, and we'll get, a, we'll get an answer here in the coming future. Until then, though, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the combine. Uh, so, like I said at the top here, the NFL Combine is officially underway, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we have gotten any fun results yet. But we have gotten some measurements, which is one of the more <laughs> one of the more fun things mm-hmm. that um, you know, from a, at least for, for sure from a Twitter perspective, because it's so overanalyzed, it's so ridiculous, and a lot of the time, like these measurements, they matter to a degree, right? Like. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, a guy who is tiny can just all of a sudden be a great defensive end. You need to be, you need to hit a certain bar. But some of these, like, kind of, some some of these news stories that come out about tiny hands, which Joe Burrow is going through apparently now, and we (laughs) remember with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, they're a little bit ridiculous. It, It certainly seems like Joe Burrow has big enough hands to hold a football and, you could say the same thing about uh, Teddy Bridgewater. You want to ask well. every SEC opponent that he played last year if, how, if his hand size matters? Like, probably not. You want to ask every single opponent that he played? <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, it, that's it, the point. And, and I think I don't know. Every single year at this time is that I think it's Gil Brandt. He's the older. Yeah, yeah. Right. He had that that two tweets in a row where back in 2014 where he you know critiqued Teddy Bridgewater's hand size like at nine and a quarter. It's like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater's hands nine and a quarter inches much smaller than many many of us thought could be concerning and then the very next tweet is uh jimmy garoppolo hand size nine and a quarter inches uh meets the threshold should be fine like (laughs) it's the exact same hand size and just critiquing teddy saying he's concerned and then jimmy g is saying oh he's fine he'll he's good enough that's uh it's just i I don't know how much it matters i really don't i'm not gonna sit here and act like i mean johnny menzel i remember had a huge hands and how he turned out so right uh his hands could unfortunately not control his ability to learn a playbook 
and execute right. that playbook. So anyways, let's go through some of these numbers anyways, because it is kind of fun. And there is there is some relevancy here. I, I know we just spent about three minutes making fun of this element of the combine, but there is there are some factors here that are more important than others. And, you know, you like to... Let's just be real here. There's not that many quarterbacks that are under six feet that are actually successful in the NFL. And I know someone's screaming Drew Brees and Russell Wilson at me right now. Shut up. Those are two examples over the last, like, 50 years, okay? So generally speaking, you want your quarterback to look like, you know, a, a point guard, basically. You want him to be at least six, six foot three. You want him to be able to see over the tackles. You want to make sure that he's able to kind of conduct an offense with the right frame, right? So – Quarterback is probably the only position today that, you know, wide receiver and tight end, I don't think the Vikings have too much of an issue there. I think most of you guys would agree with me. Uh, it's still fun to look at some of these names, and I will spend a little t- little bit of time on there. But uh, quarter the quarterback position, the reason why this is relevant is twofold. One, a lot of you guys hate Kirk Cousins, so you're looking for any way to get out of Kirk Cousins. That's why it's relevant for us. In terms of why it's relevant for the Vikings – Jake Fromm has came up in reports. There has been thoughts that he also, might go to Also, Sean Mannion is Vikings back quarterback. That's a very important point. I never want to see that happen again. <laughs> and I'm tired of these clipboard holders being on the field for the Vikings. So that that's why it's it's threefold, really. That's but that's that one's for me mostly. Um, so let's look at, look at a couple of these quarterbacks here that might be somewhat relevant to the Vikings. We'll start with Jacob Eason here. Jacob, Jacob Eason is an absolute enigma. There's a lot of people that think he's, you know, a player that could be drafted in the first round, and there's a lot of people who think that he is a mid-round pick who's going to flame out and be terrible in the league. He had a hell of a day getting his body measured today. I know how I know how ridiculous that sounds, but that's that's that's. What <laughs> I was going to say, phrasing that's, there, pal. That's <laughs> that's real. He measured in at six foot five and seven eighths. 231 pounds, the hand size of nine and four eighths, which I'll let we can reduce that one down to a half. I don't know why that says four eighths. That's ridiculous. Arm length of 32 and seven eighths and a wingspan overall of 79 inches. So big quarterback, big frame, fits all of the Gil Brandt uh, uh, format. You know, like what he wants in a quarterback, Jacob Eason looks like it. Granted, he's not necessarily the most consistent thrower of the football, which seems to be a little bit relevant when you're playing football. Yeah. But he fits all those measurables, and See, he looks great I'm on gonna, paper. Like, this this measurement thing, I, I just I, it doesn't do it for me. Because remember how people loved – like Josh Allen killed it in the same thing. You know, right. Mitch Trubisky killed it in the same thing. Uh, it, these are – you know, Blake Bortles killed it in the same thing. Like these are quarterbacks that – uh, I'm actually just listing off quarterbacks that have made the playoffs with really good defenses while playing the quarterback position in terrible, ugly fashion. But point being, like, it, you know, I, you know, I have a roommate that's six four, two hundred, like, athletic dude, not a good quarterback. Like, <laughs> it's not, it's not like it, it's yeah. there's more to it. There's way more to it. Like Kyler Murray's five seven or whatever the heck he is, yeah, and he's better than you know Josh Allen. Uh, so it's it's to me like. This is the part of the combine, especially that I don't pay attention to. Yeah. Um, and even though I haven't really paid attention to the combine in a couple years now, like actually paid attention to it, but I especially don't pay attention to this part because now I do think for like especially for quarterbacks, like this stuff, I don't think it matters much. But you could 
get into like offensive line um and like for the for the vikings like cornerback you know i think matters because zimmer has preached so much about having a large uh, large defensive backs large cornerbacks on his team right stuff like that but in terms of quarterback in terms of uh yeah it, and even receivers to some degree uh i don't think it matters a ton because we so we see how stefan Diggs, best contested catch receiver right. in football he's barely six feet tall right. like it it, it some in a lot of cases you know people over uh are over dramatize how much size and the measurables like this matter couple other names here from this list that may or may not be relevant to the Vikings scouting department. Justin Herbert from Oregon had a nice day getting measured. Six foot six and two ace, 236. Ten inch hands, those are huge. 32 and seven eighths arms and then 78 and 77 eighths wingspan in terms of inches. Um, he's probably a top 15 prospect, may not be in the Vikings range couple other names that the Vikings, or at least their fans, have talked about with the potential of being in Minnesota. you got Jalen Hurts, who um, <clears throat> kind of an up and down in terms of, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm basing my, my theories here off of these, the fundamental metrics, the Gilbrants, if you will. Six foot one, 222, nine and six eighths in terms of his hand size, 31 and six eighths for arms, and 77 and five eighths for, for wingspan. We've also got Jordan Love, who was a big, who was another big winner here, uh, this is the type like it's ridiculous but these measurements are the type of things that can jump a guy from the third round to like the late first round for quarterbacks and it's ridiculous but it, we've seen it happen so many times that it is it is relevant uh jordan loves six three six eighths 224 huge hands at 10 and a half 32 and five eighths for arms and then a wingspan of 80 inches which is ridiculous so he's a big big human and then you've also got Jake Fromm here, which I think is the most important one just because he has been already connected to the Vikings. And he honestly, he makes sense for the Vikings because as a second-round pick, I wouldn't – he kind of looks like Kirk Cousins and he kind of reminds me of Kirk Cousins, which is a little bit bothersome if you're going from <laughs> Kirk Cousins to probably a worse version of Kirk Cousins. But he had a rough day um, having his uh, – getting his height and weight assessed here. 6'1 and 7 eighths. That's subpar. 219. I mean, I, whatever. And then uh, t- he's got the tiny hands. He's gonna. Get, he's also gonna get tiny hands here. Eight and seven eighths, uh, thirty-one mm. and eighth, one eighth arm, and then seventy-five inch wingspan. So those are the quarterbacks on this list here that I think are somewhat relevant to the Vikings. There are other guys on here that may or may not be a factor late in the draft, but those are the ones that if you're looking in the second round, they may or may not become. You know, they may be on the Vikings' radar, I suppose. So. I think that Drew has made his position here pretty clear that doesn't really care. And I, I, I don't. honestly, I don't either. But uh, <clears throat> those are the numbers for those of you who are interested in that. Now, I want to take a quick look at the wide receivers and the tight ends here before we jump into our final segment. I'll just point out a couple names. And just to kind of go off of what you said before about how wide receiver measurables aren't all that important, uh, Jerry Judy, big loser today, honestly, which is interesting. Stands at six foot one, 193. Okay? Imagine that getting hit over the middle. Kind of... I'm getting Anquan Bolden vibes, but not big enough to be Anquan Bolden. He's got nine and four, nine and a half inch hands, 32 and one eighth arms, and 78, 76 inch wingspan. Um, so Jerry Judy, the top wide receiver prospect in the draft, and it's based almost exclusively on his ability to run routes and catch the football in traffic, a la Stephon Diggs, like you just said. He may or may not drop because of this these ridiculous things. So it might be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm look, I just looked up Stefan Diggs' height and weight. Six yeah. feet, 191 pounds. He's six feet in cleats. He's he's time. I mean, I've Which, stood yeah. I've yeah, stood next right. to him. I tower I tower over Stefan Diggs. He's a he's a small person, and you look at. <laughs> In terms of height, you're, you're calling a person that's listing at six feet like a tiny person. It's just, I mean, you are you are taller than him and, and a bigger person. Like that's sure. that's clear. But it's just it's just funny that that's like yeah, like that, a, well, an average this... male in the in the in the world is like five foot six. Is that true? It's five seven or five. Six. Yeah, it's like oh. it's just because so many you know people around the world are actually like American males are much larger than other males. Okay, but this okay. is off topic now. I didn't know anything. I didn't know that, and that's interesting. So. Um, other wide receivers here that may become relevant to the Vikings now. Obviously, I don't think Jerry Judy's even on. If Jerry Judy land, last passed like pick 12, something happened. He got caught smoking weed or something like that. Um, names on here that interested me, and this is one that you brought up, I believe, last week. Donovan Peoples-Jones, mm-hmm. 6'1", 5'8", 212. Huge, huge hands at 10 and 1 eighths inches. Arm length of 33 and, four and a half. And then a wingspan of seventy nine and two and a fourth. So he's a very big person. Um, it's not a. Guy, it's probably a guy to keep an eye on in the mid rounds. I'm very. I'm. I'm becoming more and more interested in him, uh, based on the measurables, and then also the what he kind of. I'm interested in seeing how he performs at the actual combine because his tape doesn't necessarily jump off the screen, and his statistics don't necessarily either. But he's the type of guy that you could necessarily mold. I mean, that you could potentially mold. Um, so I keep an eye on him. The other one that's kind of uh, jumped, you know, in terms of uh, draft nicks, right? Guys that p- people have fallen in love with. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, is a, everyone's become a big fan of him. He's under six feet as well, but he's over 200 pounds, nine and six eighths for hands, 33 and four eighths for arms, and his 80-inch wingspan. So with the exception to his height, he actually did pretty well here uh, w- with his measurables. And then Justin Jefferson from LSU is really the last name on here that I'm looking at that might be in kind of the Vikings range. If you are thinking second or third round for a wide receiver, I don't know how long he's going to last. He's kind of a – he's an interesting player um, given his you know his performance mm-hmm. at LSU, but he was playing with Joe Burrow, a lot of great players. He, he, he is a tough, he's a tough evaluation in my opinion. Uh, 6'1", 2 eighths, 202. Nine and one eighths for hands, thirty-three inch arms, and seventy-eight inch wingspan. Which, um, as a whole, he's six-one, two hundred. is pretty solid for a receiver. He's going to have to gain some weight, but his hands and his arms and his wingspan are eh, not necessarily great. Uh, so those are the names for wide receivers that I'm interested in, and I'm going to bring up two names here at tight end, just because the Vikings have kind of built a fascination with tight ends and drafting tight ends when we don't really expect them to. Yeah, that's I mean, true. going all the way back to Michael Pruitt, you know, when that one kind of came out of nowhere in the fifth round in, what, 2015? Uh, Thaddeus Moss is the first one, and I bring that name up for the obvious reason here. Randy Moss's kid, uh, big important factor for LSU's championship and the kind of stretch run there. He is a He's a big person. But he's not a tall person. Six one seven eighths, two fifty, nine and seven eighths in his hands. He's only six one. Oh, okay. six two. Yeah, he doesn't wow. look. He does not look it, and I think it's because he can jump out. He of looks the gym. way taller. Yeah, I would definitely keep an eye on his combine, like his actual, you know, testing results, because he. he I, I think he definitely plays bigger than he is. Um, but yeah, thirty one and seven eighths for arms, and seventy eight and two eighths for wingspan. The other one here that has become. 
he, he's an enigma, and everyone is falling in love with him based off of his physical stature and the projections that he's supposed to get at the combine, and that's Cole Komet. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I've never heard anyone say it before. I've just read it a, a bunch of times. He is truly a massive, massive person and incredibly athletic, moves very, very well for his size. 6'5 and 6'8, 262. I mean, this guy just can stand in front of you and he can block better than Matt Khalil. 10 and 4, 10 and a half inch hands, 33 inch wings, uh, arms, and then a 79 inch wingspan. So those are two tight ends that, based on their measurables, and then with Moss, especially based on his legacy, keep an eye on them. I, I have already seen outlets can, uh, comparing Komet to Rob Gronkowski. So that seems still premature, but that a happens little all the time, bit, yeah. Time. So right. who's the next Patrick Mahomes in this and, draft? Who's the guy? Well, there's probably not any of them. Probably, probably no one for the next 20 years, if that. Yeah. You know. Um, so that rounds out our combine measurables discussion. I, 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 that was that was a, some great radio. That was great. I, I know, right? I mean, it's just not like it's something where like you have to do it because it's the time of year, and there are people that are interested in this stuff. But at the same time, like, who really cares? I mean, I didn't know need to know that Thaddeus Moss was you know three inches shorter than I thought he was. He still plays tall, plays big, moves well. Like, how much different are the is the general uh, size of players and at the sec level versus nfl like how much different can it be like the, the competition he went against in college versus the competition he's going to go against the nfl i don't know if it's that different especially with his that, especially just with the, his from pure size too. just yeah. pure size i feel like it's not that different it's not and it's and it, the, the biggest difference that you see from a college player to an nfl player it's just the the amount of mass that the game muscle mass especially over the course of the first like two or three years in the nfl and mm-hmm. Thaddeus Moss is already a, a monster person in terms of muscle mass and weight. So, you know, I don't know. I, again, I think some of this is silly, but it's somewhat entertaining. And for those of you out there who swear by it, those are your kind of your key players to keep an eye on um, for the first uh, round of measurements here. And uh, next week we'll get into the fun stuff after the actual combine happens. And that discussion hopefully will be a little bit more entertaining. So now for our final segment here, and I don't know how long this one will last because the the cha- because of the changes the feature person for this segment has made, as of late at least, but we wanted to start what I am calling, and it's a very uh, apt title, it's not creative at all, I'm just going to call this the Diggs Tweet Translator. So mm-hmm. for those of you out there who enjoy following Stefan Diggs' social media. I'm one of them. Uh, he's very uh, he's very interesting on social media. He's, he is a character, to say the least. Um, and for those of you who do not know what Twitter is or care, um, he tweets out kind of subliminal messages, basically. Just these very kind of cryptic tweets that people freak out about. And sometimes they're freaking out because they're just dumb, and they don't know what they're talking about. Sometimes they're freaking out because they're a fan of a different team and they think it's you know appealing and it, it, there's a potential for them to land a very interesting and dynamic player on their team. And sometimes people just freak out for God knows why. So I want to make this a little bit more fun, and that's what the goal is here. So I picked mm-hmm. out five tweets from Stefan okay. Diggs uh, since early February, and Drew and I are going to do our best to, keeping in mind, of course, that – Neither of us have spoken to Stefan Diggs recently. We do not know him on a personal level. No. We do not know how he operates socially. Um, 
I know very little about the person, especially in 2020. Okay? We're going to try to diagnose these tweets and come out with an answer that is rational and what they actually mean and not focus specifically on what they could mean. So the first one here, kicking us off. This one comes from February 9th. He said, people don't appreciate things until they're gone. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) How would you translate that tweet? Uh, He got a little Caesar's pizza and ate it. And then he's sad that it's gone because he ate all of it. That's that's how it would be relevant in my life. Uh, but no, actually, it's, I'm sure it's something like something like uh, uh, if I were to actually try and accurately translate it, it'd be like, you know, he. Uh, I, let's think about. I OK, let's, let's do this. Let's think about all the ways that it could be relevant. He could have just broken up with a girl. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard from a lot of people that Stefan Diggs is a bit of a ladies man and that he doesn't date during the season. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. So maybe he that's broke up probably with a girl. That, that's the first thing I go to. But I'm not about to like speculate. On we're ha- hey, we're having fun. We're having fun with this. This is not uh, news. This is not reporting. This is us right, looking right, at right, tweets right, and trying right. to have fun with it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it could be something as simple as like just knowing him, knowing that I I think I think it's pretty clear at this point he's just doing this to rattle people and he's and it's working. Yeah, especially with the Patrick meme for his uh right. Instagram it's picture. Literally his 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 profile picture on social media is a meme suggesting that he's trying to rattle people. Like that's the that's how you translate the Patrick meme. So uh he's probably just got a list of these tweets like in his phone. Like, all right, I'm gonna put this one right now. This one go up at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. So uh, I think that he's the type of guy that looks up inspirational quotes too and picks out a good one and tries to inspire. He's that type of guy, I think. The one thing I will say about this tweet specifically that this and this could be deeply personal and this this applies directly to Stefan Diggs and things that I know about him. He did suffer family loss early in his life, so that type of thing. People don't appreciate things until they're gone. Could have just been him thinking about his dad. Could have been that simple, Vikings fans. It could have been that simple. Okay. So again, this is supposed to be a funny segment. So let's move. Hey, on to something you know what? Else. Maybe he knew about uh, Everson opting out. Give a little. Hey, hint. hey, there you go. Exactly. Connect some. Yeah, there you go. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was a subliminal message directed at Everson Griffin. Maybe. Who knows? All right. Next one here. This one's from February twelfth. Everything that was done in the dark is about to come to light. Dot. 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 What do you make of that tweet, Drew? I think he's just thinking about the Super Bowl in 2012. He's rewatching it when the Niners and the Ravens played in, I think, the Super Bowl, the Superdome in Louisiana when the lights went out. I think he was just at that point in the game where the lights went out, and he's like, they're about to play this game in the light. <laughs> That's uh, That seems fair. The, the date is somewhat relevant as well. Sure. I, I'm curious what goes on in this guy's mind. Cause, so when I see this, I think about – the way he's projected himself in the past. He's a fifth-round pick. He used his Twitter bio many, many changes ago. Used to just be fifth-round pick, dot, 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 dot. You would okay. know that. I would know that because I, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of Stephon Diggs, and I'm a, honestly, I'm a fan of his Twitter too. He doesn't necessarily do it for me all the time with the inspirational stuff because I'm not really – I don't really like that, but some of the stuff is entertaining, and I definitely love the, the response from fans. I think that's very funny. But so for this one – 
for me. I think that this is just a consistent, like, he's very competitive. We could all agree on that. We know that about Stephon Diggs, extremely passionate. And he cares about where he was drafted versus where he thinks he should have been drafted. And looking back now, in hindsight, he probably gets drafted first or second in that wide receiver class among, yeah. Like, yeah, among that group. Mari Cooper being really the one that's kind of like makes it a little bit interesting. I think that this is just a continuation of that where he's just saying the things that you thought about me when I was at Maryland, when I was getting hurt and I was a gadget player, it's coming to light now that I'm a hell of a wide receiver in the NFL. I think that that's just kind of looking back at that. I think it's really as simple as that for this guy. I don't think it's even that. I think it's, I I don't think it's football related. I don't think any of these are football related, but I bet you a lot of them aren't, but anyways, moving forward here. Number three, this one is a retweet, a little bit more fun here. Retweet from Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He tweeted, Y'all know it's all right to mind your own damn business sometimes. This came on February 14th, and Stefan Diggs retweeted that. Translate it for me. He probably had a lot of, this is more speculating, the the womanizer potential role that he's playing. Hey, it's Valentine's Day. Let me just do. <laughs> oh, yeah, let me just, okay. Let yeah. me just do what I want to do. All right, I'm gonna just figure this out on my own. Uh, everybody, just I'm gonna do what I want on this day, on Valentine's Day. All right, that's all this is about. I think so. I I saw this, and I I think I think you I think you nailed it because of the date. I didn't think about the date, <laughs> and I should have thought about it. I think that this one, I, I think that this one was just like a shut up to everyone. Like, the media, the fans. No, 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 no. It's not it. I think it was, he, dude. He I, wants nothing more to be er, than people to be talking about him. That's what he wants right now. That's why he's doing all of this on Twitter. He wants people to be talking about him. I think the thing Nick Olson tweeted uh, a little bit ago was his theory that uh, he tweets all this stuff and, you know, suggests different things and doesn't uh, – doesn't shut down trade rumors during the season because he wants people to be talking about him, wants people to be, uh, as Nichols said in the tweet, gawking at his route running and his skills on the field. Like he wants that. And I think it, I think he's not trying to shut it up. He's, if anything, he's trying to, when I say uh, shut up, I don't mean shut up about me. I mean, shut up. Like you're being like, you're being stupid. Mind your own business in terms of like the business element of the football game. That's probably true. Like he maybe he read like my theory my th- my my basis for thinking here is like maybe someone saw his contract number and was like this is what I think about how much money Stephon probably, Diggs makes. There, I mean, there's probably so many people tweeting like tagging him in tweets. That's like, what I'm he, saying, and we know now Stephon Diggs is making fourteen something mil next year Ugh. to be a, to be a cancer, right? Someone probably tweeted something like that, and yeah. we know now based off of pardon my take, who has done a great job doing this, by the way, that players do search their name on Twitter, and of course we know this from our own engagements with <laughs> with players yes. who yes, are searched. We do. For, yeah, yes, so guilty, right? Uh, I bet Stefan Diggs searches his name. I mean, if you, by the way, if you haven't Googled yourself or searched your name before, like it could be entertaining if you have an online presence. To, even also, like, I know, I know it's true level. for you, but like for both of us, I know you like to Google yourself and then you see your, your one of your tweets or something in like a popular media outlet. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Article. Oh, what? Like Tampa Bay Times or something? Yeah. Put like one of it's my, it's weird. It's interesting and it's fun. I mean, that's that's kind of what this is all about for us uh, small people around here. When once in a while something goes big, that's interesting. That's fun. Number four here. This is one comes from February nineteenth, so getting a little bit closer to present day now. You got to know the difference between constructive criticism and destructive criticism. Dot dot dot. 
dot dot. What do you take on that? Five dots. Five dots on this one. Five dots. So he took Not an ellipse. Almost a double ellipse. Close to it. He took the time to make sure that there was five dots in this one, right? I, I, I mean, uh, he used three in the last so clearly, couple tweets. So. so he clearly is, you know, serious about this one because the most of them have the yeah, actual ellipses, three dots. This one's got five dots. Um, this one probably goes out to, you know, the, the Vikings recently have a change at wide receiver coach. They did. They did. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. He got five dots on this one. A little more serious than the last one. So do you think, are you suggesting that this one is a kind of a prelude to how to coach him? Or are you saying that maybe perhaps. he already, perhaps. Perhaps. Either one. Either yeah. one. Either one. Or it could be not that at all. This is, I'm totally that's a, guessing. That's a really good point. It could it also could be, be not that at all. All of, these that we are, all of these that we're suggesting could be completely Oh, inaccurate. Yeah. Oh, very. They could be very wrong. We could be extremely off base in our thinking, for sure. Um, yes. When I look at this one, I, what's interesting about this one is that this could directly apply, because of who he is as a character and what I know about his person, this could directly apply to a, a number of different scenarios. This could be a football thing. But this could also be like a, a, like a personal thing as well. Maybe he's just simply saying like he there's certain people in his life where they were important at one point, but their criticism went from being constructive to destructive and he recognized that and he moved on and now he feels better in his life. It could be yeah. that simple. Could and, be about himself kind of teaching his brother how to Hey, yeah, that's adjust to the There you go. You, you they are, and there's a couple of them too. Obviously Trayvon is the one that's the big prospect right now, but we know that they follow each other hard on social media as well and they interact. Could be a subliminal message directly at him. It's a good point. I like that one. That was good. All right, the last one here, and we'll wrap up the show. This one also came from February 19th. And the reason why I said that I'm not sure if this segment's going to last a whole lot is because I didn't find any. It's February 24th as of this recording. There wasn't any real fun kind of crazy tweets. Like maybe someone said something to him because he deleted a bunch of stuff and some of it's gone and whatever. This Honestly, this segment would have been fun, like more fun probably like six weeks ago. But... Regardless, this is the last one here for today. Again, February 19th. These days you have to take things with a grain of salt. Dot, dot, dot. Loves the ellipses. Big fan. So he's probably, uh, you know, gone through the line at McDonald's drive-thru. And uh, he's You're thinking, taking wait. This You're taking this very he's literally. Thinking, he's thinking, wait. <laughs> These fries are a little, little too salty. I'm only th- I only need like, you know, I need less salt on this. A grain of salt. That's what he's thinking. He's just thinking of a popular phrase to uh, illustrate his frustration. You think he would have said no pun intended, though? No, 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 because it's there's. He likes having this weird, like, questionable aura about what he means, hmm. and I think fair, a pun fair. intended would shed would too much illustrate lightning. would tell people that uh, he this not only is this joke kind of a joke like or this tweet kind of like a joke but it would also suggest that many of his other tweets are so i think yeah. the fact that he is kind of keeping it in the dark with that upon intended being relating to his last tweet that we one of the last tweets we discussed but grain of salt talking about food talking about that he doesn't like salt on his food i think if we were to ask him in training camp sometime uh if he likes salty food he would be like nah not really hmm. interesting so I think that this one actually is one of the few times where he's, where he's actually interacting with fans, where he's seriously talking like he's speaking to us as a group. 
And I, th- I think that this, like, I think that he's saying, you know, the phrase, take the, take it with a grain of salt, meaning it's not necessarily true. You're, you know, everything could be, it could be, it could, it could be a rumor. It could be real. It could not be. But you take it with a grain of salt, effectively saying, I don't know if you should be taking some of this stuff so seriously. I honestly believe that this is one of those few Diggs tweets where he actually is saying, like, giving some response to the fans. Because as a professional human being, it doesn't make that much sense to me to talk down about your employer. It makes more sense for you to talk up the kind of the situation that you're in. And granted, Diggs has not always done that, obviously, but... I do think this is one of those situations where he's kind of like, he's saying like, okay, some of the things that you're hearing in the media right now, you don't need to buy it. It's just not true. It's just hot air. That's where I, that's where I'm thinking of this one. I see. I just, I, I just don't buy that. He's you don't buy it. He's ever tweets. tweeting about football ever. No, I don't buy it at all. I don't think he's, I don't think any of this stuff means anything to his NFL career. He's just tweeting stuff to tweet stuff. It's entirely possible. And that's the fun of this segment here. So, um, let us know what you thought about the Diggs tweet translator. I thought it was kind of fun. I mean, it was all I'd right. Do it a couple times, like every couple shows or something. It could be, it could be fun. Let us know what you thought of it. You know, if if you enjoyed us kind of having some fun here, this was us. pretty much nonsense for about fifteen. It, it, minutes. Exactly. If you're it, if you're into that, let us know, and we will continue this segment. Um, if you're not, then we'll get rid of it. That's how segments work on the show. I think we've already gotten rid of like two segments. So, um, anyways, that is the end of the show. Um, and I, yeah, that, that's about that's that's everything that's essentially happened in Vikings land over the last couple of weeks here. I mean, it was very difficult to come a up with the wrap up of the show there. Well done. <laughs> All right, so this show is available on iTunes. It's available on, on Daily Norseman. If you want to watch us talk, uh, we're on YouTube as well. Uh, make sure to subscribe to those. Or uh, we're a part of. Uh, the Climbing the Pocket Network. Make sure to check out the shows that are also available there. Um, the guys we work with do a tremendous job and seem to, um, you know, do a much better job analyzing the actual football elements and not just tweets than Drew or myself do. So, um, if you like us, you'll probably like them, and if you don't like us, you'll probably like them too because it kind of, I don't know, it, you know what I'm saying. I, I'm I'm always bad at closing out shows. I don't know why you're bringing that up now. Uh, that's, you got in my head a little bit there, I think. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Uh, thank you for listening as always. Uh, like I said before, we'll focus more on the combine next week. Um, we'll have some more interesting numbers to take a look at. Uh, we'll go through, you know, review some players that are on the Vikings radar or should be on the Vikings radar um, and kind of assess their draft status as it relates to their performance at the combine. That'll be the big topic next week. And then hopefully uh, the Vikings will give us some more to work with and uh, we'll have some fun with that. So uh, that's the game plan for next week. Uh, this show is over. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you for being part um, of this podcast with us and we will catch you next week. Oh.